Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Acoma Pueblo traditions. Because mythology comes from oral tradition, there's a wide variety across sources. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. The girl opened her eyes, but she might as well have kept them closed. The space around her was an impenetrable black, so dark she could not even see her own trembling hand when she lifted it before her. This was her entire world, the well of blackness that had birthed her. She knew of nothing else, not even her own name. And so the girl lay within the darkness, waiting, for what she did not know. She wondered if she was alone. As this thought drifted into her mind, she felt her stomach clench. She lay a hand on it, confused, but the sensation faded. Every time she thought about herself alone in the darkness, she would feel it once again. One day, as she stared into the darkness, she heard something. The rhythmic in and out of another being breathing beside her. There was someone or something here in the darkness with her, just steps away from where she lay. She was not alone. <gasps> the girl's heartbeat quickened. She lifted a hand slowly, her breath caught in nervous anticipation as she blindly reached into the dark and touched another hand. Welcome to Mythology, a ParCast original. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Mythology for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythology in the search bar. Today, we're diving into the Acoma Pueblo story, emerging into the upper world. It's the tale of Iatik, the All-Mother, and her sister, Natsiti. They were born from the creator of the universe and grew together deep within the earth. When they were ready, they arose to imbue the barren world with life. Coming up, the tale of sisterhood and creation begins. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. At IKEA, your dream home is a blue bag away. No matter the size of your space or budget, we've got everything you need to turn your dreams into reality. And now with new lower prices on hundreds of our most popular products, bringing the dream home is even easier. Like the gray strandum wing chair, was $369, now $299. And the IKEA Plus 365 nine-piece cookware set was $129.99, now $89.99. And hundreds more. Shop new lower prices at ikea-usa.com today. The Acoma Pueblo are an American indigenous tribe of New Mexico. They're one of the oldest surviving tribes in North America, and their culture has remained steadfast against the many invaders that have tried to claim their home, known as Sky City. Experts believe Sky City dates back to at least 1200 CE. Though it's much more romantic to believe, as many Acoma do, that the Acoma Pueblo are as old as time itself. The name Acoma loosely translates to the place that always was, further shrouding their origins in mystery. Sky City sits atop a tall sandstone mesa near Albuquerque, New Mexico, at 6,460 feet above sea level. Experts theorize that the Acoma built the city at such a high altitude in order to be close to their creator, the sun. Its height also made it difficult to attack. But while their Mesa fortress allowed the Acoma Pueblo to ward off Apache and Navajo raids, they were not so lucky with the Spanish. In the 1500s, Spanish invaders attacked and enslaved the Acoma, destroying many Acoma religious sites called kivas. While many Acoma were forced to convert to Catholicism, some continued to practice their own faith in secret. They erected secret kivas within their homes, allowing their native religion to survive the 82 years of Spanish rule. Today, many Acoma practice both their traditional religion and Catholicism. And while this period of imperialism led to some blending of cultures, the Acoma Pueblo maintained several key differences from the Spaniards. In particular, they're a matrilineal society. Homes and land are passed down through daughters, and clans are honored through the mother's family line. This tradition began with Iatique, the All-Mother. She and her sister were born deep in the ground, created to bestow life upon the earth above. The sister's tale is the first story that Acoma children learn— this creation myth is the foundation of faith that's as strong as the Pueblo they built, high on a mesa. Sitting in the darkness, the girl was shocked to touch the hand of another. The two hands entwined, neither spoke, but as they lay there in their lightless world, the pain of loneliness the girl had once felt became a distant memory. And as time wore on, she slowly began to grow. Years went by, and the girl began to understand whose hand she held. This was her sister, her other. 
she would gently touch her sister's face, feeling the shape of her nose, cheeks, and lips. Soon, she knew exactly what her sister looked like, and one day, she learned how to use her voice. A sister. Sister. This cannot be all. The girl was confused by her sister's words. To her, it was enough that they had each other. As long as she had her sister by her side, it didn't bother her that they were the only beings in the world. Or so she thought. That evening, the sisters were roused from slumber by a low whispering. It reverberated around them, slowly forming into words. Time to wake, my little seedlings. The girl's heart thundered with fear, but her sister squeezed her in silent reassurance and called out to the voice. And who are you? I am Sechenako. I am female, just like you seedlings. Come now, time to rise. Rise for what? What are you going to do with us? You ask so many questions. <laughs> I'm not going to do anything to you, my little ones. I will only point the way out of here. You will have to take the path yourselves. <gasps> we are leaving? Silence answered her. The girl felt cold. The darkness was her home. But it is safe here. Where we go, we go together. Eh, sister? Yes, of course. Upwards you will go, but always together. The girl took a deep breath, taking comfort in the warmth of her sister's hand. She found herself nodding. As if sensing the change in mood, the spirit spoke again. I have left you both something. Feel in the darkness before you. The girl blindly groped until her hand closed around a wicker handle. <gasps> Your baskets, my little seedlings. You cannot yet see what is within, but I promise you, it is delightful. Delightful? It is a word you use to express pleasure. An agreeable word. Are we not ready to leave? Impatience will not serve you. But... And neither will being needlessly disagreeable. Reach into your baskets. You will feel seeds. You will know when it is the one. The girl quickly stuck a hand into her basket and felt around. Her hand raked through a large pile of seeds. She leaned in to whisper to her sister. There are so many. How can we possibly choose the right one? Sechinako said you would know, sister. I have mine. The girl felt her face grow hot as she groped through her basket. It was the first task this spirit had given them, and she was already a step behind. Finally, her fingers brushed up against a seed that felt warmer than the rest. She pulled it from the basket with relief. Take the seed. Feel the earth before you begin. It is the best part. Move the dirt. Dig into it. A small hole is enough. Just enough. Place the seed inside and move the dirt back over it. The sisters planted their seeds and sat back to wait. 
Nothing happened. The girl began to grow anxious. She knew how much her sister had been yearning to leave their dark home and did not want her to be disappointed if they had to stay. It could be that nothing comes of this, you know? Why would you say that? I just... This home has become a prison. Do you not feel it? <laughs> I can feel how sad you are, sister. This is an adventure. You act as though we walk to our deaths. That is exactly how the girl felt. She somehow knew she'd eventually long for a time when it was just her and her sister holding hands in the darkness. The ground suddenly shook and their world lurched. She could not see what was happening, but she could feel the walls and ground rupture and churn. Uh, what is it? I have got you, sister! Darkness reigned until suddenly everything changed. The girl squinted in confusion as a blade of light tore through the blackness. It was the first thing she had ever seen, and she felt instantly disoriented and overwhelmed. Stars danced around her vision. She blinked to clear them. <gasps> An enormous tree had grown in front of them. It reached so high that it had shot straight through the ceiling of the earth above, creating the hole that had allowed the light to penetrate the sisters' world of darkness. The sun. It must be. The sisters walked to the tree trunk. As they did so, they stepped into the light and saw one another for the first time. The girl looked at her sister's long, dark hair and deep brown eyes. It was a face that she had never seen, and yet she knew it well. They touched one another's features gently, reveling in this gift they'd been given. They could finally see. The girls then peered into their baskets. Inside were stacks of paper drawings cut into various shapes. They were all of different beasts and creatures— though the girl did not know what they were called. She looked over at her sister and frowned. Her sister's basket contained even more images than her own. The spirit's voice boomed through the cave. I suppose you are wondering what you are called, your names. Well, I thought that you can name one another. Only fitting, is it not? You are so close. My sister is Iatik. It means bringing to life. Iatik was touched. She closed her eyes and thought of her sister. She was always so quick to act and seemed to do everything just a little bit better than her. Natsiti. It means more of everything in the basket. <laughs> Thank you, sister. You think highly of me. Yatik flushed, but Natsiti had already hurried to the tree to grab the first branch. With their baskets in tow, the sisters slowly scaled the massive tree. Up and up and up they went, but the earth ceiling still seemed as far away as ever. Yatik grew tired and began to cast wary looks down below. The blackness that had been their home now seemed terrifying. If she lost her grip and fell, it would swallow her up in an instant. She shivered at the thought and continued her climb after her sister. Finally, Natsiti stopped. She had reached the top. Ah! 
toe. No, no, no! I cannot fit! Natsiti struggled to push herself through the hole above, but the tree had only barely cracked into the earth. The hole was not big enough. Yatik looked down again into the dark. They could not return, and neither could they move forward. They were stuck. Coming up, the sisters use their mystical baskets to break free of the darkness and finally step into the light beyond. Is there such a thing as a traveler? Not a Delta. Because we know on one flight, Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. While on the flight after, 8C is occupied by Jen, whose favorite snack is tea. That's why we provide fast, free Delta Sync Wi-Fi available for SkyMiles members. Because at Delta, we know. Refill? Everyone flies their own way. Delta. Keep climbing. Free Wi-Fi available on most domestic flights. Terms of use apply. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom terms apply. Now, back to the story. Yatik huddled against the trunk of the great tree, staring down into the inky darkness below. Before today, that darkness, the feel of her sister's hand, and the sound of her sister's voice had been the only things she had known. Then the mysterious Sechenako had come and had given them seeds that sprouted a giant tree. It grew so tall and fast, it burst through the ceiling into the world above. But once the sisters had climbed the tree, they realized the hole was not large enough for them to pass. Above Iatik, Natsiti beat her fist against the sides of the hole. It will not give... We should go back down and wait for Tsuchinako to advise. Tsuchinako is such a liar. She's probably laughing at us. But she's only helped us so far. Ha ha! Look how naive the little seedlings are. They will believe anything. She means us harm, sister. If I meant you harm, you would know it, my seedlings. <gasps> Tsuchinako, is that you? Why are you still spying on us? Show yourself. <sighs> Look into your baskets. You will find the way out. Yatik looked into her basket and selected a fluttering image. It was of a brown beast with a white stripe on its forehead and a long, nimble body. As she held it in her hand, it floated into the air and grew. Soon it was no mere image, but the creature itself. Natsiti's eyes lit up, and she rummaged in her own basket. 
she pulled out the fluttering image of a small insect. The paper suddenly folded over on itself, curling into a ball, and when it opened again, the insect flew through the air easily. Oh, so small, but it moves so quickly. What do you call it, sister? A locust. I'll call my beast a badger. The sisters looked at one another, giddy over this newfound power. When they turned back to their newly formed creatures, they noticed the badger and the locust were waiting patiently. Oh, badger, the hole is too small. Can you help us? The badger immediately burrowed into the earth, digging with fervor. The hole slowly widened. The locust shot over to smooth the sides by nibbling rapidly. Soon, the hole was wide enough for the sisters to slip through. The sisters looked at one another, their eyes wide with anticipation. Yatik hesitated and glanced back down into the hole one more time. Come, sister. Do not be scared. We will go together. Together. And so the sisters joined hands and climbed out of the hole and into the world beyond. Iatik's eyes squinted as she stepped into the sun. The world was a wide, flat plain, brown earth and blue sky. It seemed to stretch on forever, with nothing ahead or behind. It was beautiful. A wind gently blew about her, caressing her cheeks like a mother's hand. She looked at Natsiti and smiled, eager to share the joy. But Natsiti was hungrily rummaging in her basket, counting her images. Welcome to the world, my seedlings. You must be so tired from your climb. Please, lay down and rest. But we cannot see you. Why do you not show yourself? I am merely a guide. I'm here to protect, not to keep you company. That is what your father made two of you for. Will... will we see our father? You will not see your father, my seedlings. Why? Does he not want us? He lives far from here, four skies above, and he is much too busy. It was he who created the world. He who created those objects that rest in your baskets. He buried them in the ground with you, where you grew until you were ready to blossom. So he abandoned us? Well then, we do not need him. Right, sister? Yatik looked at her sister with admiration and nodded. She wished that she could speak as confidently as Natsiti, but she felt so unsure of herself— a pang of embarrassment hit her as she wondered why she was so far behind. She had fewer images and less courage. She had stepped into this world as a weak infant, while her sister was already fully formed. Over the next few hours, Sachanako taught them how to pray and how to speak more words. She told them about what kinds of creatures and plants they would bring to life with the images in their baskets. As the day dwindled, Yatik noticed that the sun was lower in the sky than it had been before. She frowned, watching it sink lower and lower. A feeling of dread grew, and Iatik's hands began to shake. The light, 
It was disappearing. She grabbed her sister's arm and pointed in panic. What is happening to the sun? What is this, Suchinako? We did not rise from darkness to return to it once again. What game do you play? Suchinako, please make it stop. Sisters! The sun rests. It will return tomorrow. I promise. The sisters slept uneasily that night. Iatik tossed and turned, worried that they would awaken and find the sun had left them for good. The next day, Yatik awoke and was relieved to find the sun shining once again. When she turned to Natsiti, Yatik noticed that her sister glowed white in the rays of the sun. Looking down, Yatik found that her own skin was dull, with a reddish hue. She eyed the slowly rousing Natsiti carefully. The sun shines on you. <sighs> so it does. <laughs> Maybe I just command more of father's attention. I thought you did not care what father thought. I do not. But I know you do. As Yatik watched her sister reveling in the warmth of the sun, she felt a strange sensation growing within her. She had never experienced anything like it before. But just like the badger, she somehow knew its name. This was jealousy. When Sechenako came to them again, it was decided that since Natsiti was kissed by the sun, she would be of the sun clan, and Iatik would belong to the red corn clan. But Sechenako had a word of caution for them. That which you create is a part of your clans. But, my seedlings, listen closely. Your father has given you your baskets. You can create what lies within, but nothing else. What else would we create? Children. You must never mother children. You must not even think of it. Do you understand? But why? What good is creating things that we have no connection to? These images are our absent fathers, not ours. It is a rule. The only one you have. Do you understand? The sisters nodded. Iatik wondered how her sister knew enough to question the spirit. Iatik did not know exactly what Sechenako meant by children or why she would want one, but she couldn't wait to create more things. Under Sechenako's guiding hand, the sisters wandered about the world, planting their seeds and bringing the images from their baskets into existence. Trees blossomed from the ground, Fruit sprang from the branches. Animals found homes amid the forests and plains. By the end of the day, the world was no longer the barren patch of dirt that they had awoken to. It was lush and pulsing with life. But where Iatik was liberal with her images, Natsiti was choosy. For every three images Iatik brought to life, Natsiti released one. She held onto her basket tightly and often moved away from Iatik. It was as though she was hoarding her creations for some other purpose, though Iatik could not think what. One day, the two sisters plucked corn from their stalks. Iatik eyed her sister's basket, sitting close by. It was still so full, and Iatik found herself growing angrier the more she looked at it. 
Finally, she could take it no more. Does something ail you? No, why? You have much left to give to the world, and yet it still sits in your basket. Keep your eyes on your own basket. Just because you toss things out carelessly does not mean that I must. You keep them for yourself. It is greedy. Yatik winced as Natsiti carelessly ripped the corn from its stalk. It took much of the stalk with it, damaging the plant. Sister, please, be gentle. Do not tell me what to do. I can. I am older. <laughs> Have you thought that all this time? That is so sad. Uh, I am. I was there first. The sisters' voices raised as they tried to speak over one another. As they fought, Natsiti's basket swung from side to side, causing an image to fall out. Unbeknownst to the sisters, the image fluttered to the ground and folded. From its folds, a long, red, scaly creature emerged. It was a snake. It lifted its head slowly as it stared at the feuding sisters. Its tongue flicked in and out of its mouth, and its black eyes watched them carefully. Then, with its scales glinting in the sunlight, it slithered over a cluster of rocks and disappeared into the tall grass. Coming up, the serpent comes between the sisters. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Now back to the story. Two sisters, Yatik and Natsiti, were born deep in the dark earth, planted there by their father, the creator of the universe. When they were ready, they rose from the ground's depths, armed with baskets of creation to bestow life upon the world. But the sisters had begun to notice their differences, and jealousy had finally caused them to argue. Yatik was tearful as she stood before her sister. Natsiti was superior at everything they did. Natsiti was confident, where Yatik was timid and uncertain. But Yatik had been first into the world. She was sure of it. And now Natsiti was trying to claim that as well. As their argument wore on, Yatik finally called for aid. Sechinako, tell this girl she is crazy. Why don't you speak? Of course you would go running to her to fix your problems. 
Excuse me if I do not take your word for which one of us came first, little sister. If you have a better way of solving this matter, I am happy to hear it. I know. Tomorrow morning, whoever the sun shines on first is the firstborn. Why would I agree to that? Your clan is of the sun. Of course it'll shine on you first. Then you already have the answer. Natsiti stormed off, leaving a sullen Yatik alone. Frustrated, Yatik fumbled in her basket. Her sister's test was completely unfair, so there was no harm in trying to sway the results in her favor. She pulled out an image of a magpie and threw it into the air. The magpie let out a loud squawk as it took form. Its wings flapped with vigor as Iatik whispered her plan in the magpie's ear. Her sister had become selfish and entitled, and Iatik looked forward to putting her in her place. The sun rose the next day, and Iatik opened her eyes to find it was shining directly on her. Beside her, Natsiti had not yet awoken, because she was shaded. Iatik looked up to the sky and saw the magpie with its wings spread wide, shielding Natsiti from the sun. Iatik smiled. Sister, wake up. The sun is out. Natsiti's eyes shot open and she sat up. She saw her sister sitting in the light of the new day while she was still shaded. Her gaze slowly turned upwards and her eyes narrowed as they landed on the magpie. Where did that bird come from? It was one of yours. I saw you release it yesterday. First you cheat and now you lie to me? Come, sister. It was an unfair test to begin with. Oh, you are so smart, Iatik. So clever. You must have learned that from me. I thought what we do, we do together. But now I see I am alone. Iatik's heart plummeted. Moments ago, she'd been smug, but now she felt so foolish, she could not even look Natsiti in the eye. I'm so, so sorry, Natsiti. I do not know what came over me. You wanted to win because you tire of seeing me win. There is just so much that you do without me now. Because you slow me down. Do not be cruel. It is you who are cruel. You may stand before me, but you have abandoned me, just like Father did. The only difference is, I do not care when Father did not come to us because I thought I had you. Guilt flared within Iatik as she searched for what to say, but she was not given the chance, for Natsiti stormed off, disappearing amid the trees and leaving a tearful Iatik alone. It is not as it should be. With a gasp, Iatik whipped around. Sechenako's voice was so close to her ear, but as always, the spirit was nowhere to be seen. <sighs> Were you watching this whole time? I watch you always. You are my burden and my gift. So you saw what Natsiti just did, how she just left me. My sister left me. 
Iatik recalled the moment she left the world below, how she knew she would one day miss the moments when she lay there with her sister, their fingers entwined. When it was only them, the world had been much simpler. Sechenako's voice reverberated in her head. Its warmth was gone. In its place, a teacherly sternness. You are the tree that grows with intention because it seeks only the ingredients it needs. Sunlight, water, nourishment. Now Tsitsi is a tree that grows by taking everything that it can reach, leaving nothing for others to grow. Only one of you can thrive and the other will rot. Iatik was suddenly filled with dread. Her sister's name rose to her lips. Natsiti. Iatik ran through the woods, calling her sister's name. She did not know what was wrong, but she knew that her sister needed her, and despite the distance that had grown between them, she was desperate to help. Rain began to pour as Iatik burst into an open field. She stopped cold. Her nerves sent waves of adrenaline through her body. Natsiti lay in the center of the field. A shock of red circled her neck, its scaly texture glistening with the damp of the rain. But the necklace suddenly moved and Iatik realized it was the snake. Its head lifted up and stared at Iatik. Then, with a low hiss, it slithered through the grass and disappeared from view. Iatik watched it go and then turned to where her sister lay. Panic gripped her. Natsiti! Iatik ran to her sister, her heart pounding in her chest. Natsiti couldn't be dead. She couldn't be. But through the downpour, all she saw was her sister lying still and lifeless within the grass. She was almost to Natsiti when a bolt of lightning hit the ground directly in her path. She screamed and fell backwards. And as she struggled to her feet, the sun broke through the clouds and a rainbow shot through the sky. Natsiti! Iatik lunged towards her sister as the rainbow arced through the storm and into Natsiti's belly. Iatik stopped short, frozen in confusion, as her sister finally moved with a loud moan. It was a moan of pleasure, and her belly, which once was flat with the tautness of youth, slowly expanded until it was curved and swollen. She was pregnant. Panic seized Iatik, and she cried out in shock. Her sister slowly turned, and the two of them locked eyes. Iatik trembled, Sechenako's words ringing in her ears. Natsiti, what have you done? Natsiti rose unsteadily to her feet and put a hand on her belly. Her gaze was defiant as she faced her sister. I have created something that will stand by me when others will not. You, Father, the Spirit, I do not need any of you. Sister, you were never alone. I said I was sorry for the magpie. 
Natsiti looked down in alarm and grabbed her belly. She slowly sunk back to the ground. Yatik hurried to prop her up. She whispered comforts in her sister's ear, but Natsiti let out a blood-curdling cry as a baby burst from her womb. <gasps> Yatik lifted the child from the dirt and held it in her arms. It was a baby boy. The child opened its mouth and wailed as Yatik stared at it, mesmerized. Out of all the life they had seen blossom, there was something about this child that gripped her heart and would not let go. But Yatik could not linger in the warmth of the child for long. Why does it not stop? Yatik placed her free hand on her sister's belly, and her eyes widened. There was another child within her sister's womb, and it seemed eager to follow its brother. <laughs> with one hand, Yatik rocked the child in her arms, and with the other, she gently stroked Natsiti's forehead. Yatik could see the fear in Natsiti's eyes, but then... Yatik took her sister's hand and squeezed. Push! <coughs> Natsiti let out a last grunt as the second child fell into the grass. Another boy. The two sisters laughed with joy, and Yatik scooped it up to give to Natsiti. Your happiness spits in your father's face. The booming voice of Tsechenako reverberated around the field. Yatik quickly grabbed her sister's hand. Natsiti, you were forbidden from bearing children. And Iatik, you hold that creature in your arms like a treasure. Make your choice, then. Yatik looked down at the child in her arms, and then to Natsiti, her sister's hair stuck to her sweaty forehead, and her eyes were wild. Natsiti might have been a child herself. She looked so overwhelmed. Yatik had always wanted to do right by the spirit, by her father, but she squeezed Natsiti's hand tighter. The first hand she had felt was her sister's, and she was not going to let it go. I choose my sister, spirit. You, seedlings, are on your own. You are leaving? Sechenako? She is gone. Stop crying. Stand up. Natsiti, unnerved at the certainty in her sister's voice, staggered to her feet. Where is the serpent? Also gone. The children will be hungry. When Iatik's boldness faded, she found she missed the spirit greatly. She missed being told what to do and when, and her confusion about the world she found herself in overwhelmed her. At first, Iatik felt paralyzed by indecision. She found herself constantly looking to the sky, wondering what the spirit would say. But as the years passed, Iatik's love of Natsiti's children strengthened her resolve. The two sisters forgot their squabbles, but they never returned to the carefree love they'd experienced beneath the earth. What was more, Natsiti began to shun her first child, the little boy that Yatik had held so tenderly. 
At first sheltering the baby from his mother's neglect, Yatik grew to love him as if he were her own. For a while, Yatik had accepted the loss of her guardian spirit. Natsiti did not seem to be able to forget the serpent. Yatik watched Natsiti carefully. She observed her wandering off for long periods of time, looking under rocks, up trees, and in the moss-covered caverns by the river. And one day, Yatik watched with tears in her eyes as Natsiti approached, her basket in her hand. Come, sister. Do not look so sad. If it is the serpent you seek, I can help you find it. It is more than that. I... I feel like I did when we laid beneath the earth, when all I could think about was what lay above. It is not just that I want to know where the serpent has gone. I want to know where else there is to go. Hmm. It has shown you there is more unknown left to find. Yes, I think that is right. You always did understand me better than I knew myself. And so Natsiti took her second child and departed east, never to return. Yatik remained with Natsiti's other son, Tiamani, and when Tiamani was grown, they married. Together they bore children of their own, The first was a daughter, but many followed. Each of her daughters was given a clan name, the start of a people over which they would preside. Yatik missed her sister dearly and taught her children to pray to the sun in remembrance of her. She created spirits for each season and gods deserving of worship and taught her children to pray to them as well. The first god was Tsitsinats, who then initiated the other gods of the world. Yatik is known as the All-Mother, the creator of the Akama people. Because of the example she has set, the Akama Pueblo have remained a matriarchal society until this day. Natsiti never returned, although some Akama believed that the invading Spanish during the 1500s were Natsiti's descendants. Natsiti's encounter with the snake reminds us of the temptation of Eve in the Garden of Eden. Christianity and the Akama are hardly the only cultures to draw on the idea of the original sin, but the story of the sisters Yatik and Natsiti circumvents the suggestion of gender being the reason for temptation. We cannot blame Natsiti's giving in to temptation on her femininity, for Yatik is of the same gender. Instead, it's Natsiti's character that leaves her vulnerable. She's not content with what she's been given, and yet always seeks more. Yatik, on the other hand, grew by learning and being receptive to what she does not know. But in the end, Yatik stands by her sister and chooses unpredictability over the purity that they once enjoyed. Yatik's choice in embracing the unknown is what allowed her to become the All-Mother. She also demonstrates that a woman's worth extends far beyond her ability to procreate. Natsiti gave birth to the first children of the world, but humanity would still not have existed without the hard choices that Yatik made afterwards. She is many things, mother, creator, leader, wife, and teacher. And the code that she set in place continues to guide the Akama people 
today. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. For more information on emerging into the upper world, amongst the many sources we used, we found American Indian Myths and Legends by Richard Erdos and Alfonso Ortiz, extremely helpful to our research. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Mythology, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Mythology on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythology in the search bar. If you love Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every Wednesday we dive into another dark, classic tale. We'll be back next week with another epic story. Mythology was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Michael Langsner, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Isabella Way. This episode of Mythology was written by Kate Murdoch, with writing assistance by Greg Castro. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tiana Camacho, Kim Lin Tran, and Jen Wong. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 